Welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. This week, I am joined by one of my favorite runners, Carrie Wise McMeans from Sheridan, Wyoming. And you guys are in for a treat because this lady is one of the best out there. Karen, Carrie, you ready to go for a run? I'm ready. Let's go. Cool. Well, let's start. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do when you're not doing badass runs, and we'll go from there. Oh, who am I? Um, I'm a lot of things. <laughs> I know you are. Busy. <laughs> Why don't we just say that? Busy. Uh, yeah, I like to be busy. Well, I- I'd have to talk about first, you know, my most important job, and that's being a mother. I'm, I've been married. I just celebrated my um, anniversary of 21 years with my husband. Uh, we have two boys, a 19-year-old sophomore in college and a 17-year-old boy who's a senior in high school. So that's my most important dedication is to developing two wonderful, I call them assets. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where I spend the most time just, you know, thinking about all the wonderful things that they make my life better and all the mistakes I make every day on trying to help me. <laughs> wow. You are the only one that makes mistakes, Carrie. I I've never made a mistake except for, you know, five minutes ago. So, yeah. <laughs> so where did your 19 year old go to college? I forgot. He's in Bozeman, Montana. Okay. At MSU Bozeman. Awesome. That's exciting. And the 17 year old senior, right? 17-year-old senior at Sheridan High School in Sheridan. Awesome. Cool. Wyoming. Yep. All right. So now when you are not busy raising a family and taking care of us very needy husbands, what do you do? Well, my uh, most recent thing, so I, I was in the for-profit business sector for over 18 years. My husband and I were owner-operators of our own business, and um, we had an opportunity to exit. It was kind of a surprise. We we didn't see it coming. Our business wasn't for sale. And uh, we ended up walking through that door. And it, it's been probably one of the best things I've ever done as far as stretching myself and um, getting outside of my comfort zone. So I am now currently, as of four and a half years, the executive director of a nonprofit in Sheridan called The Food Group. And we seek to alleviate childhood hunger in Sheridan County, Wyoming, by providing nourishment to children. So that's what I get to do. It was a it was a choice. I love what I get to do, and it's just a, an absolute pleasure to be of service to my community, and most importantly, to youth. Yeah, and for those who aren't aware of Sheridan County, doesn't that cover part of the Crow Reservation? It technically does not dip into it. It could seep into it a little bit, if you will. So, you know, we've been known to serve that population as well. What was the business that you and your husband had before you sold? We owned and operated a full service fly fishing lodge. So we had all the lodging, the guide service and the meals that we provided. Wow. You were busy. Yes. (laughs) Wow. I did not realize that's what you did. I knew that you did something in the guide outdoorsy thing, but I didn't know it was in fly fishing. That's extremely busy with the lodge and everything. Wow. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. You know, we worked like crazy for 
three quarters of the year. And, you know, people always thought that you, you have this off season and you don't do anything. And it's just really not the case when you own a business and, you know, you're always on, you're just on in a different way. You're just not face to face with people right. for a few months out of the year, which you, which you need, you need time to recover and recuperate. So yeah, well, you, and you have to do all the paperwork that you can't do when you're face to face with people. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So where did running come from? Have you always been a runner? I've always been an athlete uh, my entire life growing up. I started out um, as a competitive gymnast. That was really kind of my, where the, it wasn't dipping my toe into athletics. It was a full jump into that and um, immersed into that. And then I just as athletic, I grew up with two older brothers. We were always on the go. I was actually born in Australia and we lived in the outback of Australia. Yeah, we lived 500 miles from the nearest town. So I think we were just adventurers by nature of our environment. And um, so it's just very athletic anyway. And then I ran a little bit in junior high and high school. I actually ran track. I was a hurdler and then didn't love it. Uh, but I started running my first year out of college is where I really just full force into running, absolutely fell in love with it. Really at that time was just road racing. And I went into marathoning pretty soon after I started running. In fact, I started developing my own full marathons just really? to see if I could do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now yeah. I know where some of these strange runs you come up with and the big horns come from. Outback <laughs> Australia. And hey, let's just create a marathon. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I think I'll just try. <laughs> That's awesome. So now when you started running, where were you living? When I started running, so my first year out of high school, I went on an exchange uh, to, uh, I lived in Caracas, Venezuela. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I studied it at a linguistic school and worked in a children's orthopedic hospital, a uh, government uh, run hospital for very vulnerable population. So I started actually running there because you know, it was like, what, what can I do? I couldn't join a gym. I didn't have enough money to join a gym. It was the city I'm, I'm living in, you know, a developing country. Things were different, but I could, I had a pair of tennis shoes there you and go. I could, and I could run. And so that's really where I started running. And it's just as a way to explore. It was a way to stay active, a good practice of mental health. And yep. so that's how, that's how I started. And I have that was 25 years ago. Okay. So that was in the nineties. So that was as Venezuela was diving into socialism full, full bore, right? Yeah. So like 95, 96. Okay. Wow. Yes. That's, that was a interesting time to be in Venezuela. I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Safer, wow. you know, at that time. So. Yes. Yeah. A lot safer than today. Living an ultra life is brought to you by Forge Glory Athletics. Forge Glory Athletics is a science-driven, client-proven, premier running company that instills strong, introspective pillars through disciplines of movement that award personal growth in multiple aspects of the athlete's life without injury. We must find the light within ourselves before others can follow. Christopher Guerra. So how did you end up in Sheridan, Wyoming? I can't wait to hear this. Oh, yeah. Well, we, yeah, we always lived a little bit of a different lifestyle. So, <laughs> um, 
So, so we had the lodge at, we managed the Kingfisher Lodge okay. uh, for a year and then we decided to purchase it. So in 2001, we purchased the Kingfisher Lodge and that was just a, um, across the state border of Wyoming state border in Montana on the Bighorn River in Montana. And a, a few years after purchasing the lodge, we had our first son and we were just thinking about where we would send our children to school or at that time, the one child um, and what that looked like. And so the options were homeschool or, you know, maybe thinking about joining another community. And at that point I had already been running Bighorn. I started running Bighorn Mountain Trail Run in 1997. No way. Are you serious? Yeah. My first Bighorn Mountain Trail Run was 1997, the 50K. Wow. Yeah. So I just, I loved the area. Schools in Wyoming are pretty great. And, and especially at that time, they were just schools in the area were considered similar to putting your child in a private school. And so we looked for property and a house in Dayton, Wyoming. And um, we ended up finding something sooner than we thought. And so we actually kind of lived a this life in Montana at the lodge and this life in the wintertime over in, in Wyoming. And then our kids, you know, when they were of school age, we put them into school here. So we've actually lived in Sheridan County for 19 years, Wow, uh, going on 20 years now. That's amazing. I'm still, I'm still trying to process. You've been running Bighorn since 1997. How many years has Bighorn been run? Uh, Bighorn. Okay. I'm going to get this a little bit wrong, but I think they were like three to five years old before that. So okay. 90- Cause I was going to say 25 year anniversary. Was that 2019? Yeah. So this year was 30 or last year was 30. I think this wow. year, maybe no, I'm off. I've got my years off. I feel what? like this year was 30 or last year was. So yeah, just a few years old when it, wow. before running it. So that must've been even more wild back then yeah yeah I think um trying to remember if the hundred existed at that time I don't think so I think it did because I don't think the hundred's been going the the full time no it hasn't no it it definitely has not so the hundred was came on I should know this too um yeah because you probably ran the first one I did not run the first hundred (laughs) (laughs) I did not want to feel like those people looked (laughs) That was but you was- have, you have, how many times have you run the hundred? I've run Bighorn. You know, I still consider myself a hundred mile rookie. I'm I've started nine hundreds and finished eight and I've run Bighorn three times. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah. So it's, but yeah. If you're so a rookie, I- I'm less than a rookie. I'm, I'm three of five now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I look at these people that are running hundred hundreds and I think, wow. Yeah. I'm like, you're insane. We have a guy out here on the East coast that I think he runs a hundred every week, but I'm not sure, but he's insane. So that's crazy. So yeah. how did you, I mean, cause you don't just kind of fall into running the long distances. What is it that you fell in love with from it? Oh gosh. Yeah. So like I said, I was marathoning and road racing a lot in the early years. And then of course, like I said, 97, I ran that 50 K and I, I love to be on the trail. The trail is, is where I find my peace. 
And um, so trail running is my true love. In fact, my last road marathon was in 2012 and I haven't run a road race since. Wow. But I just, I think for me, the trail running is, is what really captured me. And every, every bend is something different. You can really get lost in your own mind. And then, and then the distance just came in of like, well, you know, what's next? I, I tried this and, and that worked out and um, maybe I could do something longer. And so it just, it just had this natural evolution. It was very organic. And, and I, I was more successful at running longer distances for a long time. The 50 mile was just my sweet spot. So that was just kind of what grabbed me. And I, I, it hasn't let hold of, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's I, awesome. I haven't escaped it yet. Is there any way that you, do you have any idea how many ultras you've run? You know, I was wondering if you're going to ask this. So, so my ultra history started before ultra sign up. Okay. Awesome. So I'm going to say probably, you know, again, I still feel like a rookie, but you know, 50 plus, at least 50, maybe, maybe more, probably if I added up and that would be ultras. Right. Right. And that's, that's like ultra races, because if we counted every time you went for, you know, 30, 40 mile run in the mountains, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That would be just ultra races. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. So what's your most memorable run, run or race? Doesn't have to be a race. What's your most memorable one? Oh gosh. I was thinking about that today. And I always say my most memorable is like the, the most recent one I did. Um, okay. So, so, um, but most memorable runs, I, I, um, have run some pretty spectacular self-supported runs in the big horns. And so I love running from Hunter Corrals to Spira Wigwam. That's one of my most memorable. And it's always because of the people that I'm with and maybe, you know, maybe sometimes because of the near death experiences Mm -hmm. that happen too. Yeah. Um, so that, that's always fond. Well, you're the one who told me about the solitude loop. Oh, okay. Okay. So, and, and yes, I did get lost. <laughs> you know, who doesn't get lost in the big horns, but yeah. yeah, Lake Geneva is always just a, to me, that's just, that's gotta be as close to heaven on earth as you can get the most amazing solitude you could ever imagine in the history of mankind. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that you're talking about that. Cause I remember the first time I, I went there, I was with Mark Conrad and yeah, it was spectacular. Yeah. Was spectacular. So, so how many people do you think you've influenced in the Sheridan County area to take on ultra running? Oh, I, Mike, I don't know. I, I don't. Cause you're I, such a champion for getting out there and just trying things that you don't think you can do. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't. I never think of anything as being too big of a deal, you right? Know? And so, like, it's it's like, hey, let's just hopefully my enthusiasm is is catchy for others who think that they can't, you know, can't do something, or maybe um, are fearful of trying something like, you know, just something a little bit outside of the box. And so, I don't know. I just hope that. And, and I like to fly on the, under the radar. You probably know that yes, a little bit. I do. So yeah. Not, Are you still not running with a watch? 
I run with a watch, but I often don't turn it on. Right. So this is one of my favorite things because you actually, because I was so like, I shouldn't say anal, but I, I was so anal about turning my watch on with every run. And I don't know if I ran into you at an aid station during a bighorn and I was struggling and you said, turn your watch off. Oh and, yeah. Don't look and, at I, it. and I was like, and I looked at you like you were crazy and you said, it's a timepiece. Just turn, turn the timer off and just go run. And it stuck with me. And, and so I still, to this day, when I'm getting too much in my head, I'll just not turn my watch on and yeah. just go out and just get out of my head and just go for a run. And it was because during, I think it was a 2016, 17 Bighorn. And were you at bear camp that year? I was probably at elk camp. Elk camp. You were at elk camp. And yeah. And I came in struggling because I mean, that was, that was a suffer fest because of the snow and came in struggling and looked like I was probably dead. And you said, turn your watch off. And I did. And I finished the race. I don't live by the watch in my last hundred, uh, this last summer, um, the crazy mountain inaugural crazy mountain hundred in Montana. I never turned my watch on the entire time. I, I know where the aid stations are. I know the mileage. I know the distance between them. I know what I have to be prepared for. And I know my time goal. And nope. typically, typically I can, I can still do the math at least somewhat, right. but I just, I don't like to be bound by those those exterior, those, those parameters. I don't, I don't want my mind. That's not where I want my mind. Um, I want my mind to be free and I want, I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. And so I, I don't like to be tied to the watch and I don't like to think about the watch battery dying. Um, exactly. So, you know, I remember running, you know, when I first started running, we didn't have a GPS watch. We didn't have a watch like this. I remember the very first Garmin uh, forerunner, GPS tracker. I bought it. It was like $130 and it was pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> and it was fun because I was curious, like, what is my pace? You know, right. what am I able? And so, um, in fact, I still have that watch. That's um, awesome. Yeah. But I just don't like to be bound by it. Um, it's, it's not, it's not what I need, what I need when I'm on the course or when right. I'm not on the trail. And you're, you're such a great example of just get out there and know, know what the course is going for. I, I've learned a lot just from people who say, well, Carrie told me this. And then I go, oh, well, okay, I'm going to listen because Carrie said that. And, you know, and it's, so I picked up these little nuggets. Like I have probably only spent, I have not much time with you in person, but I have so many nuggets that I look back and I go, yep, that came from Carrie. Yep. That one came from Carrie too. And, you know, it's just these little nuggets of very common sense. Where did you get all this common sense? Well, I was, it's funny that you say that because, you know, I learned from other people too. So, you know, I've, like I said, we've been running for 25 years. A lot of those years have been trail and ultras and, you know, I just try to soak up everything from all of those who have come before me and who are willing to spend time with me and show me the ropes and, and truly genuinely listen, listen to their experiences. And, and still, even today, I'll call Wendell Robinson. Oh, gosh, say, hey. yeah. yeah. Or, you know, some of just, uh, we have some amazing trail runners in our community. Karen. 
yep, Karen. And I'll just say, gosh, I battled this. What, what do you think this is? You know, help me out because we have a lot of technology today that they didn't have, which we all know this, but boy, some of the simple tricks that they use then still work today. And so I learned from a lot of people on the trail, Bill Dolan ran with Bill a lot and people who were willing to share with me. And so that's kind of, I don't get to say that anything is, you know, something I own. I probably yeah. just borrowed it from somebody. Yeah, that's funny because Wendell's the one who taught me that you don't have to keep your shoes tied the way that they come from the factory. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, because I was telling him because I was having problems with the tops of my feet. And he said, so tie your shoes differently. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, lace your shoes differently. You don't have to lace your shoes like they come from the factory. And I was like, ah. Oh. Who would have ever thought of that? So, yeah, little things like that. <laughs> yeah. when, when things dawn on me, they dawn on me hard. So, you know, it's it's a good thing. Yeah, and it is, you know, it, it a lot of it is just common sense. And, you know, yeah, there's, there's certain calculations we can make with our calories and, you know, what kind of electrolytes we need to be consuming. And, you know, there's just, there's, for me though, you know, people will say, well, how do I begin and how do I start this and how do I know what's right for me? And, and you, I end up always giving this nebulous answer and it's because it's so individual. It is so dependent on the person and there's so much trial and error and sometimes what worked for a long time may not be working any longer. And so you really have to get curious and you have to, you have to want to try to change things when things aren't working. And yeah. that's not easy. No, never, never easy. So, you know, we're doing a, a series on living an alter life right now where we're featuring women and we're kind of doing it in memorial of Eliza Fletcher, but more because we're trying to raise awareness of why is it that women have to be afraid to go out running? So I know you follow this a little bit and everything. Have you ever been afraid out running? Have you ever been scared? Yeah, hundred percent. A thousand percent. Yeah, I have. This is a tough topic. It is a tough topic. And that's why I think we should talk about it. So what are the things that you see in our society that are keeping women from being able to run free? Oh, well, I, you know, I guess in, in this particular situation and, in, um, you know, in reference to Eliza Fletcher and, and, you know, my heart goes out to their family and um, friends and I'm so saddened by what has happened and what's happened to many people. Um, but what's, what am I seeing or what are we seeing? And I don't know necessarily, and I'm not an expert on any of this. And so I sometimes I'm like, Oh, do I, what, what right words do I have to say about this? And I don't know if it's necessarily that, you know, ha has our society become more dangerous or um, are there, are there things that we're dealing with today that, that we weren't several years ago. And I would imagine that we could answer yes to all of that. 
But I think as a woman and a female athlete, especially in the sport of running, because it's an individual sport in the way that I do it, in a way that you do it. Um, Sometimes it's a team sport, but most of the time it's individual. And so the risks are higher in, in the situations that as far as how women, you know, are able to to do that sport and what we have to do to, you know, get our training in. So right. I don't know if I have an answer for that question. For myself, it's always been a risk. It's yeah. always something. And much like Eliza, so when my kids were little, I had to, most of my runs were done before 6 a.m. in the morning. Right. And um, it was always a risk going out. Yeah. I just like to raise it because I believe there's a solution. I'm just not sure that I'm smart enough to figure out the solution, but I, I want to have chats on it because I think that we can, I want my female friends to be able to go out and run free too, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. One of, you know, I've thought about this since you've asked some questions and I thought, you know, when I go trail running, it's like, what am I most afraid of when I go by myself? And, you know, if I'm, in the back country by myself. And, and of course I like to be on those kinds of runs with a training partner or two or three, but it doesn't always work out that way. And I right. thought I'm always afraid of moose. Yeah. <laughs> moose. Rattlesnakes. rattlesnakes. I hate, they can all die. <laughs> yeah. I thought about this and I thought I have told more people, but what I'm most afraid of is, is people. Yes. Yeah. And, and so um, yeah, that, that, that fear is real. It's, I don't think that I've ever not thought about it, especially when I'm alone. So I don't know exactly what the solution is either. Um, I know for myself, one of the things that I have to do is, is I have to be acutely aware of my surroundings. Okay. And how do you do that? I mean, what's, what's one of the things you do to make, I know you don't run with music, but what's something else that you do to make sure that you're aware of your surroundings? First and foremost, one other thing I, well, I don't do at all is I don't do any apps. I don't right. do Strava. I don't do any running apps. So I try to, that's not even something I, I try not to do. I just don't do it. And I okay. That for me is, as I look back on that, that's a safety piece. That's a layer of safety. People aren't able to track where you are. Um, right. But uh, just being acutely aware. So oftentimes when I go to the trailhead, I, I look at all the cars that are, if I'm parking at, at the Tongue River trailhead, I look at the cars that are in the, mm-hmm. in the parking area. I look at the license plates. I look at the make of the vehicle and I, I try to see, you know, are there a lot of people? Are there just a few people? And I try to, if I can see people, I try to scope out who it is. And I just try to be aware. What are they doing? You know, does, is anything look suspicious? Mm-hmm. Does it feel unsafe? You have to really trust your gut too. You have to look at the surrounding and surroundings and say, boy, this, something feels off. I'm out of here. Yeah. And, and bag um, a run, right? If something feels run. off to say, okay, we're going to bag this one and hit it again tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just being really acutely aware, one of the things I recently ran um, Devil on the Divide in Colorado, which was an amazing uh, 50K. And um, I wanted to camp before the race. And so I had to be really careful. I had never been to Empire, Colorado. I didn't know anything about the area. 
but I was able to find the race director who was a, who's a woman and I could talk to her. I wasn't about to ask a man if I, where I should camp and is it safe? And that was my other thing was I knew I could get a hotel room, but I wanted to camp. I wanted to do what all the other people were doing and they were men. And, you know, she said, no, we are right here. I'm camping here. This is very safe park over there. And so I just car camped, but I wasn't about to do it until I felt safe. Yes. Yeah. That's just one of the things for me is being acutely aware of the environment I'm in. And then if it's a new environment, are there people that I can trust that I can ask? Yes. Is this safe for me? You know, and, um, and I've definitely ran in a lot of places. Um, yes, you have. All over yes, the world. Yes, you have. All, all over the world. Over the world. I, we'll, we'll have to do another one for that because Zoom is telling me we're coming down to the end of our time. But man, you are just so amazing. I, I want to do this again. But let's just say I'm going to be trying my first ultra marathon here, you know, in the near future. What's the number one tip you would give me? Oh gosh, that's such a hard question. Your brand new first ultra ever. Ever. What's the one tip? <laughs> I have to limit it to one tip. Now give me like a million because you know, <laughs> we'll soak them up. Well, first and foremost, I think it has to be fun. Yes. And so what can you do to make sure that you're having fun? You know, like you, you're, if you're, if you've never run an ultra, you're nervous, you're thinking about all the things that could go wrong. And, um, so try to keep fun at the forefront of your mind. Like, why are you out there? You know, what's, what's the purpose? What's your purpose for being out there? And then trust your training. Yeah. Trust your training. When you belly up to the start line, the person to the right and the person to the left and the person in front of you and behind you, we're all dealing with something. But what is most comforting, I think, is that when you get there, you say, I've done everything within my power to be ready for this moment. And you just trust it. And you have faith in that. And you have faith in, you know, in the time that's going to be set before you and and you go with that. And then you have a plan. Usually you have a plan. And you need to think about the plan when that, uh, about the next plan. What's plan B when plan A goes a little sideways? Because plan A is going to go sideways. Yes, it is. Thanks, Carrie. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultra Life.